you believe for it to be. At the end of the year, uh, last year, as I was really praying about 2024, you know, God didn't give me a rhyme or nothing. I know the preachers like to rhyme and stuff, open doors in 2024 and, you know, all that. And people get excited. Just because it rhymes don't make it powerful, y'all. I see it tell you that. It could, it could rhyme and be just a whack word, amen? But, uh, but you know, God will do that sometimes. But uh, uh, he didn't give me a rhyme, but he just told me this next year for your church is going to be a year of the upgrade. And I just took that and I began to I just began to ponder that and pray over that. And and then I began to uh, look into that word upgrade. What does that word mean? And I looked in the dictionary and this is what it basically means. The word upgrade means to elevate something to a higher standard, to elevate something to a higher standard. So we're going to elevate our lives to a higher standard. We're going to elevate our marriages to a higher standard. We're going to elevate our parenting to a, to a higher standard. Come on. Am I the only one? Amen. How about this? We're going to elevate our finances to a higher standard. We're going to elevate our careers to a higher standard. Our education. Now, let's keep reading. It says elevate something to a higher standard. But here's what else it says. In particular, to improve something by adding or replacing components at a cost. Adding or subtracting or replacing components at a cost. That's what the upgrade means. So that means this, we're going to get better by adding things, but we're also going to get better by getting rid of some things. And that's the part nobody likes because we like to hold on to everything. We like to be spiritual hoarders. Amen. Y'all ever see that show? Man, that show is so disgusting. Amen. I watched that show. I feel like I got to go take a shower, you know. Uh, people just be saving everything. Don't throw nothing out. All that kind of stuff. Listen, we don't want to be that way. If I'm going to get better, I got to add some things and I got to take some things away. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. And so that's the year that we're setting up for. And so today I want to talk about something uh, that I just I felt as I was praying about an upgrade. God began to tell me, you got to go after the spirit of poverty. You got to go after poverty in, in the church, poverty in our mindsets. And so today I came to pick a fight, okay? Uh, I would have worn my, my black Air Force Ones, but I don't got any, amen? So this is the closest I'm going to get to my fighting shoes up here uh, because I, the, the title of today's message is Pummeling the Spirit of Poverty. I want you to write that down. Pummeling the Spirit of Poverty. And I want to go after this spirit because this spirit is trying to keep you and I from having the kind of life that God wants us to have. Now, here's the problem with poverty and that word. Most of us don't understand it. We think that it has to do with finances. It has to do with so much more than finances. Now, let's go over to the book of uh, 3 John chapter 1 and 2. 
And this is where we're going to jump off today. Tell your neighbor, let's get ready. Look at 3 John 1 and 2. It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. I'm going to read it again. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to be in this place today. We've come, we've worshiped you. You promised that your presence would be here. Now speak to us, Lord God. And Father, I just pray for every person here that we would not go through the motions this morning of just being in church, but we would take down every barrier. We would open our ears so that you would speak to us today, Lord God. And as you speak, may you change our hearts and change our minds. And may the spirit of poverty be pummeled out of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said. You know, uh, many people talk about the prosperity gospel and how this this doctrine has kind of come in to the American way of church and Christianity. And it's begun to be something that in many ways has deceived people and has caused people to kind of get off track in some instances. But what we do too many times and we're known for doing this. We'll take a truth where somebody takes it into error and then we throw the truth all the way out. That's what they old timers used to call you throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Come on, you look at the bathwater and it's disgusting. It's dirty. Instead of just dumping the dirty water out, you throw out the baby with it. How many know that's not a good thing? All you got to do is change that water. Y'all know that's not a good thing, right? So we throw the baby out with the bathwater because of this this doctrine that's that 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 kind of got off base. We begin to think that God doesn't want to prosper us when that's just not true. The Bible is full of promises that if we will serve God, he will prosper our lives. See, the, the, the understanding is this. When you give your life to God, your life should get better and better. It should improve. We are to go from glory to glory, Philippians says. We're to progress in life, not to stay at the same standard. And we read here in the scriptures that we are supposed to be prospering. It's the will of God that we prosper and be in health. So we don't need to pray, God, if it be your will, prosper my business. We already know he wants it to prosper. We don't have to pray, God, if it be your will, he'll heal me. No, we already know he wants to heal you because it's in his word. It's already written. But here's the thing we need to catch today. He says this, I wish that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And that's the key. You will prosper and be in health to the level of your thinking. What is your soul? It's your mind, your will, your emotions. You are going to prosper to the level of your thinking. And this, my brothers and sisters, is why many of us have been stuck in the season that we're in. Because we can't get you to move because you've refused to change your thinking. So let's look over at Psalms chapter 25, 12 through 14. I'm going to read this to you in the New Living Translation. It says, who are those that fear the Lord? Well, that would be us as believers, as, as Christians in the kingdom. We have a reverence for God. We have a fear of God. It says, he will show them the path 
that they should choose. He's offering us direction. Come on, he'll tell you the road that you should go on, the career you should choose, who you should marry. Look at this. And they will live in prosperity. Do y'all see that? God's telling us right here, those that fear me, I will guide them. But he doesn't just guide us off the beaten path. He guides us into prosperity. I'm just reading the Bible to you. And then it says this, and their children will inherit the land. The Lord is a friend to those who fear him. And listen to this last part. And he teaches them his covenant. And the church said. Now, here's the problem. What we've got to understand is teaching and learning are two different things. What God is offering to do is teach you. Your part in it is to learn it. Now, too many times we think if I just sit under teaching, I'm learning. No, 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 no. You're simply hearing teaching. And God promises us, I'm going to teach you. But whether or not you learn, that's on you. Tell your neighbor, it's on you. It's on you. See, understand this. Teaching is what's happening in the room right now. It's what I'm doing. Learning is happening in pockets. Some of y'all ain't learning nothing. Smile at me. Come on, don't get mad at me. I'm not a fool to think that all of y'all are learning. I wish that was the case. But see, you maybe have not understood the learning part's your fault. Learning part's your fault. We don't like that kind of preaching. We like the preaching that says, God, do it all. God, you can do it all. Just do it. And God says, I'm going to teach you. But you're going to have to learn. Now, what is God teaching us? He's teaching us his covenant. Okay. Now, what I submit to you is in the way is a spirit of poverty. See, what is poverty? Poverty basically is a lens that we see life through. There's a lot of lenses. And poverty is also trauma. If you were ever raised in a, in, a, in a home with poverty, you experienced trauma growing up. Poverty is not something that ever was in the will of God for you and I. It is something that took place after the fall. We're going to get more into that. But look at Romans chapter 12, 2 through 3. It says, this is the New Living Translation as well. It says this, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. My, 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 my. God's desire, folks, for all of us is that we change. But you're never going to change if you don't change the way you think. And you're never going to change the way you think Unless you learn and learning something you got to do. I could teach you, but it doesn't ensure you're learning. Now, let's keep reading. He says you can be transformed into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. He says it again. Listen, follow me. I'm going to lead you into a good life. I'll lead you into a good life. It's going to be perfect. It's going to be what you, what you need. And he says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, 
I give each of you this warning. Now, I want you to open your ears real wide, okay? Listen to what he says. I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. Measure yourselves by your faith that God has given us. Tell your neighbor that was for me. That's for you. It's a warning from the Apostle Paul. It's a warning that I think we would all be wise to look in the mirror and go, okay, okay. And the warning is this. Don't think you're above this message this morning. Don't think you're above needing to change. And I got to tell you, there's some of us in this room. I preach to you every Sunday and you just think it applies to everybody else and not you. And you sit back and you go, "Mm -hmm, my husband needs to hear this. I hope my babies are here and they're sitting in the back. I hope they're listening. My mom needs to hear this. My dad, oh, so-and-so needs to hear this. No, you need to hear this. And we must be careful. We must be careful of thinking we're, we're, we're more than we are. We're stronger than we are. We're better than we are. See, some of you, you just, you're your own hype man. And Chuck D tried to tell you, don't believe the hype. Actually, that was Flavor Flav, Amen. He tried to tell you, don't believe the hype. We believe our own hype sometimes. We're good. We're good. This is why I love to get my giving statement at the end of the year. As we, as we talked about earlier, those things go out. I love to see by the end of the year what I gave. Because can I tell you something? That's an indicator. Your giving to the Lord is an indicator. You can tell if you have a heart for God or not by your giving statement. Because his word tells me where my treasure is, that's where my heart will be also. There are indicators in your life that will tell you where you're at. But the warning that he gives us is this. Don't think you're above the word. Don't think you're better than you really are. And that's why, folks, we must have a posture of humility to come in and say, ah, this word's for me. And As I get into this this message today, I'm just laying a foundation for you real quick. I want to make sure that we all understand this applies to us. One of the things I heard the Lord say that we have to go after this year is a poverty mindset. We got to pummel it. We got to get it out of our mindset. Now, years ago, I told you this a couple weeks ago. Years ago, uh, when I first started in ministry, I moved to Florida. I was introduced to a book. Uh, by an author by the name of Dr. Ruby Payne. And Dr. Ruby Payne wrote this book called A Framework for Understanding and Overcoming Poverty. And in this book, it was a book that was released uh, to teachers and school administrators because they were trying to find out why is it that we are having a difficult time teaching young people and people of color that are coming out of inner city uh, parts of our nation and they're getting into trouble more. They're not learning like the rest of the kids. They're not, they're not progressing like the rest of the kids. And what studies began to show is there is an underlying uh, 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 directive in poverty that goes way beyond finances. See, when we say poverty in America, we think finances. 
And so some of us will go, I ain't poor. I make this much every year. I'm good. But see, finances don't define poverty. Thinking does. Poverty has a lot more to do with what you make. It has more to do with how you think and the lens you look through than it does what you make. And let me prove it to you. These statistics, most of you have heard them. They're nothing new. That Did you know that 78% of NFL players go broke two years after they retire? It's not a money issue. 78%, guys. How many of y'all saw the Niner game yesterday? All right. Just think of this. 78% of those players on the field. No, let me say this. 78% of those millionaires on the field who are making $10 million a year, $15 million a year, $20 million a year, 70% run the risk of going broke five years after their retirement. The NBA got bigger contracts, 60 a year, 80 a year, 100, $100 million a year. 60% of those guys go broke after their tenor in the, in the NBA. And here's one you all see in the news all the time. 70% of lottery winners go break bankrupt. Come on, scratchers. I know you're in here. <laughs> Y'all be running to the liquor store to get your scratcher. Right? What would happen if you truly got your money? Can I tell you what might happen? You'd probably blow it go bankrupt. 70% of these cats do. So you know what that tells us, guys? Poverty is not about money. It's not about money. Poverty is about how you think. And here's the deception. We think, because I got a good state job now, I'm making a lot of money. I'm free from poverty. And I got to tell you, as a shepherd, that's not always the case. Because it's not about what you make. It's about how you think. And see, this is what makes the Bible so incredible, right? Because Jesus, before all these stats were ever released, the Bible teaches us these things. It prepares us for these things. This is why Jesus and the word of God is always trying to get us to give. Because give takes you from being a, 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 a victim into being somebody that can help others. But you know why a lot of Christians don't give? A poverty spirit. That's why some of us are afraid to get, oh, I don't know. I, the Bible's clear. We should be tithing 10%, period. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it's not up for negotiation. It's what we do. And let me tell you something. There's a wisdom in it. The wisdom is this. See, poverty teaches you that I can't help anybody. I'm in need myself. What can I do for anybody? The minute you come into the kingdom, the word of God will teach you to give and serve. Because what does that do? It takes you from being a victim into being somebody that can help others. Because if you're empowered to help others, you have power. You'll quit being a victim. But here's how a lot of us still come to church. We come to church like orphans. Like, well, what could we do? So we never sign up to serve and we don't give in the offering because we think, well, I don't, I don't have enough. I don't have a lot. Here's a revelation for you. It don't take a lot. It don't take a lot. 
You could be on government, government assistance, getting your, your check every, every year, or, I'm sorry, every month or whatever it is. Give off of that. Come on, you, you, you got you to gotta get into a mindset that says, I can help others. I'm blessed to be a blessing. See, that's an empowering statement. But a person under a spirit of poverty never gets that. And they don't ever see themselves as being good enough to ever do anything. So they never take part. They never be a part. They never plant. The word of God is incredible. Because it's designed to break spirits off of us. It replace mindsets in us. Now, back to that book I was talking to you about by Dr. Ruby Payne, Framework for Overcoming Poverty. She breaks down in this study that poverty is really consistent upon eight resources that greatly influence achievement, okay? Uh, eight resources that greatly influence achievement. Now, remember, I'm teaching, but you got to learn. So let me tell you something about learning. You retain three times more of what you write down than when you just sit there and listen. So look over at your neighbor and say, you should really take some notes today. We all got phones. We all got something to write with. So I, I would really encourage you to not just sit there. And I would really encourage you to write some of these things down because this could help you. This could help you progress in life. Amen. And if, and, if, and if you got mad, somebody said that they're just helping you to look at them again. Say, man, I'm just trying to help you. Go ahead. Look at them again. Look at them again. They're getting real uncomfortable this Sunday. They're probably saying, I ain't never coming back to this. People are always talking to me during the message and stuff. But listen, poverty is consistent upon eight resources that greatly influence achievement. And she lists them. Number one is financial. Number two is emotional. Number three is mental. You can take a screenshot of that screen behind me as well. Number four is spiritual. Number five is physical. Number six are support systems. Number seven is role models. Number eight is knowledge of hidden rules. And so what she says and breaks down in this book, I fully agree with. And that is this poverty consists of these eight areas. Now, if you think if I just get money, I won't be a impoverished person. You are sincerely wrong. You're sincerely wrong. See, some people think if I just move out of South Sac and I move to Elk Grove, I came up. No, you didn't. Your address changed. I had a friend that was a sheriff not too long ago, actually, who was a, a PD. And I was talking to him one time about planning in South Sacramento, and he dropped, he dropped some knowledge on me. He said, did you know that much of the crime rates in Elk Grove are higher than South Sacramento? He told me, I said, really? He says, man, Elk Grove leads in domestic violence cases. Almost double what takes place in South Sac. Now, there's a lot of other contributing aspects to that. Sometimes it's because the cops don't come out on many domestic charge violences in South Sacramento. Come on. But we you know what that says, too. It says that just because people got a new location, they live. They still have impoverished thinking. Now they just got a bigger house that they don't take care of. Come on, they live in Outgrow, but the lawn still ain't cut. It's a two story house. The lawn's still yellow. And there's still a car in front of it while I'm on bricks. With an outgrove address. Because, see, it proves what I'm talking about to you. Amen? It proves what I'm talking about to you. 
You know, so you take it a step further. You get some more money. You move into a place with a homeowners association. But isn't it interesting they're always calling you? And there's always complaints about your house. And you get mad at them. You think, oh, it's a racial thing. No, it's because your poverty mindset is leaking out. And you need their help to tell you, yeah, yeah, you can't paint your house orange. You're not in Mexico, brother. You can't, you can't. We don't do that here. We don't do that here. Go back to South Sac if you want an orange house. No, you can't. You can't. And we, we get mad at those things. But see, what happens is sometimes what is, what is taking place is even though we've got more money, we still think impoverished. And so what this book talks about and what I fully see here is a truth from the word of God is that if you're going to deal with poverty, you got to deal with your thinking. And if you're going to have a better life in God, you got to deal with your thinking. And we got to all look in the mirror. And as I began to study this out, I began to see that their impoverished thinking and impoverished mentality many times that I was raised with that are still a part of my life. And there are things even that I passed on to my kids. So you know what I learned after serving God for 30 years? Ready? I got to get better. And so if I could say that, you should know how to say that and not be offended by the word of God and not resist it and just say, man, I, I, I got to get better because I learned some things about myself in the studies. I've learned some things and some of the stuff, you know, I learned many years ago and some of the stuff I began to look at and go, man, the, the, some of this is, is in me. You know, in impoverished households, there's always noise on. How many have noticed that? How many were raised in a, in a house where the TV was always on? The radio was always on. See, now, you know what? I got a phone. And guess what? It's always on. My wife will tell you, I'm in the shower. I got YouTube going. I'm doing my chores in the house. I'm making the bed. I got, I got music playing. I, and that's, that's a part of, I started looking and going, man, a lot of this has affected the way I have been raised and, and looked at. And so this is what I'm saying. This is why we got to heed what the Apostle Paul is saying. Let's not put ourselves ever above the word of God. Let's look at what are some areas that we can get better at. As I said, poverty is about much more than money. It's about how you view life, how you make decisions. Poverty is trauma. And trauma gives a person a lens that they view life through. And this lens will cause you to pick things in life and make choices based on the lens, not based on reality. So what God is trying to get us to do in the word of God, when he says, I will teach you my commands, I will teach you my covenant. He's trying to replace the lens. He's trying to get a lens of lack and poverty off and put a lens of prosperity and health on us. He's trying to get a lens off of you that says, I don't trust nobody. Life ain't ever what it seems. He's trying to rip off that orphan spirit off of you and put on a lens that has faith and can believe the good in people. Come on, can I get an amen on that? All these things. So, so that's what, that's what the, the word of God is trying to do. Now, studies have shown that there are two ways out of poverty. Are you ready for these? It's gonna, it's gonna change your life if you catch this. There are two ways that would take you out of poverty thinking. Are you ready for number one? Three people are ready for number one. Remember, teaching's my part, learning's your part. And learning, you gotta give something, you gotta do something. Let me ask you again, how many wanna hear the first one? That's better, y'all. 
Two ways out of generational poverty. Number one, education. Education. I know some young people don't want to hear that. Oh, I hate school. Sometimes you got to do things you don't like. And, and parents, we got to get a mindset that the mindset that values education. Education is the first way out of poverty. You want to know what the second one is? Relationships. Relationships. Who you hang out with matters. Who your friends are matters. Do you know what is a big uh, decision when people are buying property? What kind of school is close by? You want to know why that's an important decision? Who will my kids grow up around? Amen? So as a parent, those are two things I got to get my kids in, in their lives. Education and around the right people. So this is why, mom and dad, you can't idly sit by and let your kids hang out with just whoever they want to. You got to be that parent. So when my kids would be, you know, oh, I'm going to go over to so-and-so's house. Whoa, 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 we don't know him. We don't know him. Who's that? Oh, that's my friend from English class. Oh, is that right? Pull up his face group. Pull up his Facebook. Let me see his Instagram. Who's his mom and dad? See, parents, we, we don't want to parent no more. We want to be buddies. But I'm trying to keep my kids out of poverty. And you should be too. Amen? We, this is what I'm saying. We've got to do some things that weren't done for us. Because our parents let us hang out with whoever we wanted to, right? And that's what got a lot of us in the trouble that we got into. All it took was that one person, that one primo, right? How many know you got cousins that you, your kids shouldn't hang out with? Just because they got the same blood don't mean a dang thing. Let me keep going. I feel a brick spirit coming in the back there. It's going to hit me with a brick. So these are the two ways that we're going to get out of poverty, y'all. Now, here's the, here's the wisdom of the word of God, right? So this is why when you come into the kingdom, and this is why poverty thinking don't understand church. This is why some of you just roll up in here twice a month, once or twice a month. Let me just get my fig. Let me just let me go do my deal because you don't understand what Jesus is trying to give you. He, all education is not scholastic. The word of God is educational. See, we only value a university's education. But the problem is much of what the university is teaching now is indoctrination. And then we won't even come to church and get God's education. So we roll up once, twice a month, you know. They say now in America, the average churchgoer goes to church once every six weeks. Y'all, I don't want to be an average church. Let's not be an average church. Average church is whack. I said it. Let me just tell you this. Casual Christianity don't work. It's the biggest waste of time if you're going to be a casual Christian. You might as well go back out to the club. You like that one, huh? You like that one? <laughs> but it's true. It's true. It's true. Casual Christianity does not work. It produces no power. It wastes your time. So let's be a church that goes all the way. Woo, come on. Y'all used to like going all the way back in the day. Come on. Some of y'all went too far, okay? Let's go too far in God. Amen. So here's the wisdom of God's word, right? This is what we got to deal with in poverty because poverty doesn't put value on quantum things. 
In poverty, it's only important if I could eat it, sleep with it, wear it, drive it, touch it. That's why we'll spend all this money on handbags and sneakers. But we'll say, how much is the couples conference? $50. And we balk at that. Dang. Why is it $50? Because the education you get will change your life. We'll go get tickets to the Niner game and pay $1,000. But you need therapy. (laughs) And you call the therapist and they say, that's $100 an hour. You say, $100 an hour? Oh, no, 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 no. See, because your poverty mindset only values things you can experience through the senses. So go to the Niner game. Have a good time. But when you get done, your life is still going to be jacked up. Or pay for the 10 sessions of therapy and become a better person, and your wife will love you more, which will make your life better. Your kids will love you more because you dealt with the issues of your abuse. Your life will get better. See, poverty will keep you locked in. It only matters if I could touch it, wear it, sleep with it, eat it. I'm trying to get a church over into the quantum realm. The quantum realm which sees the hidden connections. The quantum realm that says $50 for a marriage conference, no problem. That information is going to help me. I'm going to get a better life. I'm going to do better. We're going to get a better sex life out of this thing, which is going to send me to work in a good mood, which is going to cause me, which is going to cause me to get a promotion because I do better at my work. See, that's the quantum realm. Everything's tied together. The unseen. But see, if I can't get you out of that because you're locked in poverty, you will pass on these opportunities. All the while excited about wearing the $400 Haritos dunks that you got on Shock X, you know, Stock X, and, and you're excited about that. Whoopee! I got season tickets to the Kings, yay! But you really need therapy. Can you see why this is helping us today? Let me, I got a few more minutes. Let me break down because I, I, I need you to, I need you to buy in with what I'm teaching because it's spiritual and I'm understanding some of us still aren't getting it, but you got to understand what poverty has done to us. Poverty has presented a lens and I get it. A lot of us in here, we're not under the poverty line anymore. I think the poverty line in America is making under $30,000 and you would be considered still in poverty. Majority of us, a lot of us are making way above that now, but you're still poor. You know what's interesting to me? This is going to blow you away. The top givers in our church are not always the people that make the most money. The people that make the most money, which according to God's economy, should be the ones giving the most. It's not always the case. Got real quiet in this Presbyterian church. And that tells me I know the spirit I'm dealing with. I know the spirit that's trying to lie to the people of God. And we've got to deal with it because you are blessed. You just don't think like it. Just don't think like it. And so you don't get the blessings of being out of poverty. So let's look at what this does to us, right? Let's take simple things like food. How many of you know that there are three classes in America? We're blessed to have that. Much of the world only has two classes, lower class and upper class, poverty and rich. 
America, this country that so many people hate, is one of the only countries that has introduced the, the concept of a middle class. And as long as there's a middle class, our country thrives. And so in the, in the three classes of society, it presents to us three different lenses. And we could take something that's basic like food, and I've talked about this before. People in poverty have a view of food. People in the middle class have a view of food. And people in upper class have a view of food. Now, the value system of food for people in poverty is quantity. Let me tell you what I mean by that. People that have been raised in poverty get so excited about the buffet. $7.99 for all I get to eat? Oh, we, we there. We're going. We're going. And then we, we say stuff like this. They're going to lose money on me today. Oh, man. And that's, that's the big thing. I remember on a Sunday, if I wanted to find my grandparents, I knew where they were at after church. They were at J.J. Norris right there on Florin Road. They were at J.J. Norris, baby. J.J. Norris, there we go. Some of y'all getting taking you back. Oh, man. Listen, I was one of those. If there was an all-you-can-eat, my God, we were there. How many remember Tahiti right up the street over here? Whoo, foil-wrapped chicken, all-you-can-eat. Shakey's had bunch of lunch, $3.99. I feel the Holy Ghost in here right now. My fast ends tomorrow, so I'm, I'm gearing up. That's what it is. But people impoverished, that's all we care about. Well, how much do I get? So when we talk about a good restaurant, it's about how much you're getting at the restaurant. So we say, where do you want to go, go to eat? And they say, oh, let's go to that one Mexican place. They got burritos like this. That's all we care about. Let's go get a burger. Oh, let's go over there. Baby, they got a big old burger over there. That's all we care about. How many know what I'm talking about? The middle class doesn't think like that as much. You know what the middle class thinks about when they think about food? Quality. Quality. So you can go to Golden Corral, and they got their all-you-can-eat steak buffet. I see somebody go, they got that? I saw you, I saw you. Some of y'all running out of here after church. Uh, steak buffet. So Golden Corral got a $10.99 steak buffet, okay? But that steak ain't like a steak from Texas Roadhouse. But you go to steak, Texas Roadhouse, and you're like, this is, this is, this is good, this is good, but... Man, if we would have went to Golden Corral, we could have got all the steak we wanted. But here's the, here's the issue. Golden Corral steak is like rubber. <laughs> Texas Roadhouse has a better steak. Let's kick it up a notch. Let's go see what the upper class are thinking. So the, lower, the, the people in poverty think quant, quality, quantity. Middle class says quality. You know what the upper class says? Presentation. Some of us don't know what that's all about. That's why when you go out to an expensive restaurant, you're mad when you leave. 
because they bring out a nice little steak. They call it a, a petite filet. And you're like, where the rest of it at? Because you're looking for that Fred Flintstone thing, you know. And you look, I paid $70 for this. But here's what it comes out. It comes out on a nice sizzling plate. The mashed potatoes ain't just scooped. They swirled up in a little design. <laughs> Carrots carved out in a little shapes and stuff. How many know what I'm talking about? And the upper class goes, oh, this is so good. And you're sitting across from them going, man, I paid $70. I could fed my whole family at Golden Corral on some rubber steaks. And you're mad. Can I tell you what's happening? The mindsets are colliding. Mindsets are colliding. And an impoverished mindset doesn't understand these other mindsets. Because see, what people are understanding in the upper class about the meal, it's not just about the food, it's about the experience. But if you've been raised poor, it's about the food, darn it. Don't give me all that. But here's the thing, you go to a nice restaurant, you know what you're paying for? You're getting less food and you're paying more for the experience. That's an upper class mindset. Impoverished thinking can't even appreciate that. This is why you can't take people from the hood nowhere. Because <laughs> we ain't going to like it. We ain't going to like it. I, that's why when, before I sit down with anybody, if you've been on a missions trip with me before, I sit you down and I tell you before we go. I'm just going to tell you guys right now, no complaining. Number one rule, no complaining. Because I want to hear it. I want to hear how you think, you, you, what, what's up with this food? It ain't, it's different food. Get over it. Because what will happen with an impoverished mindset, it'll, it'll attack everything that it's unfamiliar with. And so you see the difference in the lens we see. Quanti qua quantity, quality, presentation. That's how it looks like in food. You know what else? There's other, there's other things that we're influenced in. Impoverished mindsets look at survival different than people in upper and middle class. And parents, this is why we've got to be aware of this mindset. See, to a kid that's been raised in poverty, he sees the physical as his way out of poverty. This is why kids in the hood say, man, if I'm going to go to college, I better learn to play basketball. I better learn to throw a football. I better learn to hit a baseball because that's the only way I'm going to get to college. No, you could study. You could get a tutor. How many, are you tracking with me today? Now, now listen, so, so somebody that's raising kids from an impoverished mindset never teaches their kids there's another way. Use your head. You ain't got to throw a football to go to college. You can study. We'll get you a tutor. You could apply for this. You could apply for that. And you could use your brain and go to college. That's a revelation for people that were raised poor. Are you tracking with me today? So parents, we got to get this right because some of y'all pushing sports on your kids like it's the only way you're going to get it out. No, they could study. They're smarter than you. How many got kids smarter than you? I'm going to raise my hands. You're winning if your kids are smarter than you. So I'm going to be ashamed. Some of you are like, my kids ain't smarter than me. You're doing it wrong then. You're doing it wrong. Because this surge right here is surge 2.0. If I do my job correctly, he's better than me. 
in, in whatever he wants to do in his life. That's the goal. The goal is not for me to be like, I'm your daddy. You'll never be better. No, get over that. That's, that's, that's poverty. So we teach our kids the only way out. You got, you got to use your body to get out. We do even worse to our young girls. Baby, if you're going to get a man, you got to be sexy. And I see parents send their junior high school young daughter to school in tight clothes, showing butt and breasts and all that's out there. Because here's what mama tells them. Baby, you looking good. You're going you gonna to get you a man. That, 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 that. That's what you think is how you get a man? Impoverished thinking. Impoverished thinking. You know what she should be teaching your, your, your young daughter how she's going to get a man? By being a thinker, not a stinker. So there got to be outfits. You go, whoa, 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 whoa. You, you ain't leaving this house looking like that. Mom, but everybody's wearing this. Well, everybody's a hoochie, not you. But see, parents, we don't, we don't want to do that. We want to be buddies. And some parents will buy the clothes their kids wear. Sheesh, yeah, right. You got to get free. You got to get free. And we want to teach these young girls, oh, you know what? The most important thing you can do is build up your spirit, number one, and your mind. Your spirit could take you farther than your body ever could. Your mind could take you farther and open doors than a nice butt and boobs will ever open for you. I should have got more amens than that. But that's okay because we're, de we're dealing with this mindset. We're dealing with this way of thinking that is all out there. And our kids are paying the price for it. Impoverished mindsets don't know how to dress up. Y'all ever notice that? To an impoverished mindset, dress up means sexy clothes. So they go to prom looking like streetwalkers. Come on, I've, I've chaperoned some, some high school dances before. And I've done it in the hood, and I've done it in the nice areas. And in the hood, they're coming in with fishnet stockings, tight clothes, everything all out. But you go someplace where they got different thinking, and they're not letting their daughters wear stuff like that. And I'm telling you this, as kingdom people, we got to change our thinking. Can I give you one more? Yeah. Money. Money's, money tells us where we fall in these things. Poverty thinking, middle class and upper class think different about money. When people in impoverished thinking get money, number one they thing they think about, what am I going to buy? How am I going to spend? Number one thing. Tax return comes, you're like, oh, man, we're going to Disney. We're going to Disney. We're going, oh, we're, going to, we're going to go shopping. Something comes, you get a raise, all this. First thing you think about is spending. Middle class. They get money. First thing they think about is management. How am I going to, how am I going to make this last? Okay, we got some extra money here. Okay, this is what we want to be in six months. 
So we're going to put some here. We're going to save this. We're going to go buy a little something right here that's going to help us and get us through. And we're going to manage it. And that's a good, that's a good level. But the upper class thinks even different than that. They get some money. They don't think about what to spend. They're not thinking management. They're thinking investment. I got some extra money. How can I make this money work for me? Are you tracking with me today? This is something I've had to educate myself in. This past week, I went and met with a financial advisor because I'm not going to miss this word that I'm preaching to you. I sat down with this guy. We began to talk about this. And I began to tell him, hey, this is what I'm learning in the word of God. And, and this financial planner was like looking at me. He goes, ooh, that's good. Okay, all right. And I just, we just sat down and chopped it up. And I'm just telling you, we've got to go after this spirit. We got to go after it. We got to take this thing down. And we got we to quit thinking just because you make money, you've left it. I'm telling you, we still struggle in this area. And we've got to go after these things. These are issues that we've got to change. It's this kind of thinking about life that causes problems. I told you about how impoverished mindsets think of the physical more than the metaphysical or the, or the, or the quantum realm of things being tied in together. That's just a fancy word. But it boils down even to things like problem-solving skills. Do you realize people in impoverished communities don't have problem-solving skills? The only thing they know how to do when there's a problem is this. In impoverished mindsets and in survival thinking, when I got a problem, the only way to solve it is with this or this. And guys, we got to learn another way. I learn another way. You know how the middle class solves problems? Words talking. Let's work it out. Let's work it out. Let's talk about it. You know how the upper class solves problems? Lawyers. It's not a joke. It's not a joke. If you get in a car accident with somebody in impoverished thinking, they may sock you in the face because you wrecked their car. If you get into a, a, a car accident with somebody that is in the middle class, they'll talk about it with you. They'll work it out somehow, some kind of agreement financially or something. But you get in a car accident with somebody with some money, they're not going to argue with you. They're going to get out of the car real peacefully while you're all mad. Oh, my God. They're going to get out. Let me get your info. Let me give it to my lawyer. Different way of thinking. You get into an altercation with them, you're going to go to, and they're just going to sit there and wait. Touch me and I'll sue. Just waiting. So your face is all red. How could you do this? Just, we're just waiting. If this fool touches me, I'm taking him to court. I'm going to take all his money and his kid's money. It's true. Guys, there's so much at stake in what I'm trying to teach you today. Will y'all come back next week? No. Some of you are like, I ain't coming out. I ain't ever coming back to this church. Too much word in this church. I ain't ever coming back. At least y'all was honest. At least y'all was honest. Y'all want to get the rest of this word? I'm telling you, it'll change your life. It'll help you and your grandkids. 
Because there's a lens in place that we all got to remove. There's a lens in place that we all got to take down. And let's not deceive ourselves into thinking, I don't need this. Hey everybody, Pastor Sergio here, and we just want to thank you for tuning in to our podcast. Make sure you check us out next week as we continue this series.